Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. So the first thing you know that I'm wondering, Ray, and, I'm, and I was thinking about this, the start of training camp, it's always a joyous occasion. Like for some fans, it's, it's, an, it's an annual summer event. It's like going down the shore. And when training camp comes, it's the sign that football's around the corner and it's really exciting. But I don't get that sense this year for obvious reasons. I'm curious about your overall thoughts that training camp is getting underway in the middle of a pandemic. Well, you're right. I mean, it feels different than any other training camp that I've ever been around. I mean, I've been through player strikes, walkouts, lockouts, all that. We've all made adjustments to those. But, yeah, there was always the feeling that you were dealing with something that at least you, you knew what it was and, and how long you were going to be dealing with it. This, we're living in a world right now that nobody knows much of anything. I mean, we're, we're just sort of trying to make it day to day. And uh, as a result, I mean, it's, it's not just difficult for the fans and the guys who are covering it, but it's incredibly difficult for the coaches and the players who are living with this day to day. They have team concerns, but they also have family concerns. And uh, I think the one thing we can say very safely is if there is an NFL season, and I, I strongly emphasize and underline the word if because I'm not I do not by any means think it's a certainty but if there is uh it's going to be the most challenging season that the NFL has ever undertaken because the the preparation time the amount of time you have on the field to work with your players especially your new players just isn't going to be there so do do you think that it's smart for football to be holding this season or attempting to holding this season while the virus is still out there, are they are they making a mistake by not playing in a bubble type campus environment and and trying? I mean, we see we see what what's happening with Major League Baseball. Are they making a mistake by going about it the way that they are? I think you know it's it's hard to say they're making a mistake. Uh, they're going to try it, um, but I think that they'll. I think they they will have to reach a point if. If you wind up with with an outbreak, if you wind up with with um, the virus getting into one team and just wiping out a team or quarantining a team, then you know at that point the league just has to sort of throw up their hands and say, you know what, no, we just can't do this. We can't try it. It's not safe. Um, but the league has been very clear from the beginning 
that they're going to at least try to make this work. As challenging as it is, uh, they're going to try to make this work. And to look to their credit, they've kept everything on schedule uh, up through the off season. I mean, they did free agency right on schedule. They had the draft right on schedule. Um, they put out the schedule right on schedule. So we know what the season's supposed to be. Uh, and their and their hope throughout this whole thing, there's no question in the spring that they were hoping, hoping that there'd be a that there'd be a vaccine or there'd be some kind of would turn the corner on this virus and get it under control that by September they could open the league up safely. Well, we're not there. But they're committed to go to they're committed to go forward at this point and they're going to I just I wish I could be more optimistic. I just, I, I'm, even before what we've seen now with the, with the Marlins, um, even before that, I was more pessimistic than optimistic that, that, that this NFL season, they could see this thing through to a Super Bowl and, and play the 16 games. I, Dave, I just think it's going to be very, very hard for them to pull off. And I and I agree with you, Ray. So I'm wondering if if you think that they should go to an NBA or NHL type format where they have everybody in one location or two locations, take away the non-common games, put you know uh, two or three divisions in in a city, maybe four divisions in two cities, and then try to play with a new schedule in a in a contained campus environment. Do you think that that's even possible if they were to consider that? Well, I mean, at this point, I think they're committed to doing it the way they're doing it. Um, this was the plan to put in place, and it was going to be difficult anyway. Um, I think to try now to redesign the whole thing and go to a, and go to a bubble world, such as what you're suggesting, which is what hockey and basketball have done, different sports in different circumstances. You know, the NFL has decided they had a plan of attack that they that they. Uh, they've sent out the protocols. Everybody knows they're on the same page about what they're going to try to do. I think at this point they kind of have to see that through and uh, and hope that they can make it work. I just don't know that they can. Well, baseball has all these rules, Ray, and I, and I know you've been watching the games since the season started, and they have all these rules about how you can't high-five, you can't spit, you need to practice social distancing as best you can. But it, it looked like... They weren't doing that exactly to a T. I saw a little bit of high-fiving. You know, there was some spitting. They couldn't distance all the time while they were on the field. And football, it's nothing but contact. You can't avoid contact. It's impossible. So whether it comes to games or practices where they have to get ready for the games, I mean, how, how, how probable do you think it's going to be for these players to be able to keep themselves safe considering how much contact is involved in their sport? Um, I just don't know that they can, you know, I mean, they're going to, you know, they're going to try and they're going to talk to the guys about it. But I mean, as you, as you pointed out, I mean, we saw all of these rules were in place. All of these protocols were in place for baseball. And I actually thought for game one, it seemed as if the, the Phillies and the Marlins observed it pretty much. Uh, you know, guys weren't high-fiving. Guys weren't making contact. There was, you know, you know they were doing the, the, the fake high-fives, air high-fives, and all that kind of stuff. It seemed like everybody was pretty mindful of it then. But then by game two, they were back to normal, you know. It, it looked like it lasted one day. Uh, and if, if to, have any, to have any chance of, of getting this through, to have any chance of getting a season in the middle of a pandemic, then everybody's going to absolutely have to do and what they what they've been told to do, everybody's going to have to follow the rules. And when you're talking about leagues of sixteen, seventeen hundred people, 
as you have in the NFL, that's just going to be really hard. And, you know, if I thought from the beginning, if any sport had a chance of making this work, I thought it was probably baseball just because of the, of the, the field and, and the, the, the natural sort of spacing of players on the baseball field. I thought baseball, of all the sports, had the best chance of succeeding. Well, we've already seen through one weekend, you've already got basically two teams for, shut down because of the virus. You take a contact sport like football, uh, where guys are not going to be quarantined, where guys are going to be coming back and forth, where teams are going to be traveling. I just think it's going to be really hard to get through this season. If they do, it'll be, a, it'll be not just a minor miracle, it'll be a major miracle. Adam Schefter of ESPN is reporting this morning that Dante Hightower of the Patriots is, is opting out. Uh, how many players, uh, do you expect a lot of players this season to opt out? Um, I think there's been, I, I've seen uh, a sprinkling of players around the league uh, that have, have chosen to sit this one out. Um, would not surprise me if, if, you, if, if you're going to see more. If players, if players just say and it's, it's not worth the risk. And it'll be, you know, I know the fans will be critical of it, but they shouldn't be. I certainly won't be. Um, I mean, you've got guys that are married with young families. Um, I mean, they don't want to bring that home to their families. I mean, they would be, it's irresponsible to do so. Uh, look, everybody wants to play. Everybody wants to have a season. The coaches want to have a team to coach. The players want to have a place to play. Everybody, and everybody wants to make the money. The teams want to make the money. The TV networks, everybody wants to make this a success. But you have to face the reality. I mean, we're living in the middle of not just a, a national crisis, but a global crisis, a genuine pandemic, the likes of which we haven't seen in a century. So to try to think that you're going to be able to get something as complicated and with as many moving parts as a pro football season through from beginning to end and do it smoothly, I just think that the odds against that are very, very high. What did you think of the decision to wipe out all the preseason games? And, and, and assuming that they can get to week one, how do you think that will affect the, the first, first few weeks of the season? Well, I thought that uh, the decision to, to take away the preseason games was smart. Um, just the less traveling, the better. Uh, I think over the last few years, everybody's been pretty much in agreement that the preseason games don't accomplish a whole lot. Um, the idea of the league initially suggested going from four games to two, uh, and I don't know that you would, what you would have accomplished. I mean, the real players, as we've seen over the last few years, the real players, the starters, they don't play anyway. You could probably teams could probably get more accomplished in practice on the practice field uh, and do it without the risk of traveling. Just continue to operate within your within your own individual bubble. I think that, that I think that that made perfect sense. Now, the guys that I feel sorry for are the back of the roster guys, the the undrafted free agents, the rookies, the the kids that are just trying to make the team, all those opportunities to get on the field and impress the coaches and earn a spot on the roster, those aren't going to be there now. So it's going to be very hard for some of those guys to get a fair shot, to get a decent look. But that's, you know, I, I feel bad for those guys because, you know, they're long shots to begin with, and now that, that long shot has been multiplied by a factor of probably 10. But that's the reality of what we have to deal with now. And, uh, you know, the teams are, it's going to be a challenge for the coaches. It's going to be a challenge for a team like the Eagles here, where you've got a lot of new guys coming in, a lot of rookies that you wanted to get on the field, guys that you needed to play, like Jalen Rager. There's going to be less time for them to get ready. You know, they didn't have the spring camps. They didn't have the OTAs. Everything they did was virtual, so they probably are okay with the playbook. I mean, they probably understand what's in the playbook, but they haven't had a chance to put it on the field yet. And the next couple of weeks here are just going to be strength and conditioning, 
and they're only want to have they're only allowed to have 14 padded practices with no preseason games. If we do have, if we do get the football in September, real football, and they kick the season off, people better be prepared that it's going to be pretty ragged for a while. That led that led to my next question, Ray. What do you think? Obviously, it's it's so hard to tell because there there hasn't been any footage of any of these players on the field together. But what do you think of the Eagles roster overall? And I guess in addition to that, because they did make a lot a lot of coaching changes prior to this season in terms of Doug's assistance. What do you think of the Eagles roster and his new coaches? Well, um, I'm probably I'm probably more concerned about the coaches. I mean, one of the one of the things that a lot of people are saying is that the Eagles have an advantage over the other teams in the NFC East because the Eagles are the one team that didn't change head coaches. The other three teams, the Cowboys, the Giants, and the Redskins, and Washington, all changed all changed head coaches. Uh, the Eagles did not. They brought Doug Peterson back, and the Eagles have an established veteran quarterback now in Carson Wentz. Okay, that's yeah. You could probably rightly say that that gives them a little advantage from a continuity standpoint, but don't under don't forget that the Eagles made a lot of changes on their offensive coaching staff. The offensive coordinator is gone. Uh, they've got three, actually four new coaches on the offensive side that are all going to be involved in plotting strategy. Um, and so none of these guys have had a chance to work together yet. So do the Eagles have more continuity? Yeah, at the top of the pyramid they do. But underneath, uh, the, those other assistant coaches, the coordinators, not so much. So that's something that they're going to – that's an area where you wish they could have had a whole off season to work this thing out. As far as the roster goes, you know, I think, that, I think they have a very good offensive line, which is a good place to start. Uh, the loss of Brooks, Brandon Brooks, was a blow. But I think bringing Jason Peters back was a smart idea. I think he'll be able to, if he can stay healthy, I think he'll be fine at right guard. You know, I think Dillard, with a year under his belt, will will play much better this year at left tackle. I wish they had done a little bit more to upgrade the receiver core. Um, I mean, uh, with Rager now coming in as a rookie with not a whole lot of time to prepare, I don't know how much you're going to get out of him. And Jalen Hurts, the quarterback that they drafted in the second round, any thought that he was going to be ready to play meaningful minutes this year and any thought that he was going to be a viable number two behind Carson Wentz in case he was injured well that's pretty much out the window I mean right now with the time you've got to prepare I mean you're it's going it's going to be Nate Sudfeld is going to be your backup quarterback and and Jalen Hurts is just going to have to go onto the back burner for time being and that wasn't what anybody wanted that wasn't what anybody had in mind but that's kind of what you've got to deal with now you mentioned the receivers, um, a receiver that a lot of people always like to talk about and wonder what's going to happen with him is Alshon Jeffrey. He's coming off of that, that significant injury. What are your expectations for him, assuming they can play football in 2020? Well, I think probably a lot of people would tell you they're surprised that he's even still here uh, with the kind of season they had last year and, and the team's obvious uh, desire to upgrade the receiver core, make, the, make it more faster, make it faster, more explosive. Um, and Jeffrey's coming off a, he's a veteran player coming off a bad injury. Um, even the most optimistic people said that there, there was very little chance that he was going to be ready to go to start the season, uh, that he's not going to be ready to play coming off the foot injury. And so you're probably talking about, you know, week three, week four before you can get him on the field. Uh, and that's under the best of circumstances. When he comes back, look, everything that the coaches are saying uh, has been on the positive side. They think he's ready to go. Uh, in terms of mentally, they feel like he's happy to still be here, that he wants to contribute. Part of, a, part, a big part of the reason why he is here, still here, is because of the salary cap implications. 
Um, it was probably from an economic standpoint, it made more sense to keep him than cut him, given the salary cap hit you would have taken if you had released him. So the Eagles are just sort of crossing their fingers and hoping to make the best of a bad situation. And look, Jeffrey is still of an age. Look, he's not 40 years old. I mean, he's he's a veteran player, but still age-wise, he should be able to contribute. But he has to get healthy first. Uh, and then, if nothing else, he's got a lot to prove. I mean, if he wants to continue playing football, if he wants to extend his career, if it's here or somewhere else, he's got to come out this year and show that he's the player that he was a couple of years ago when he Remember, he did help the Eagles win a Super Bowl, but that seems like a long time ago. First order of business is he's got to get healthy, and then the second order of business is get on the field and, and hope that there's still a, there's still a, there's still a, a league uh, in operation. And, Ray, the last one I have for you is, is traditionally the start of training camp may be a time for some people to you know make a late July prediction about the Eagles, but I think before even we do that, since we don't know if there's going to be football or what kind of football there's going to be in 2020. I guess what my last question is, is, you know, right now on July 28th, do you think that Kansas City and Houston will be playing football on Thursday night, September 10th in some form or fashion? I wish I could, I wish I could tell you that I'm, yeah, absolutely. No problem. That they'll, that they'll, that they'll kick this thing off and, and we'll have a season as always. Um, Right now, the best I can give you, Dave, is 50-50. I think, you know, I, I think you can make just as good a case that it won't happen as, as that it will. Um, I think there's what you've seen here with baseball just over this past weekend. They couldn't make it through one weekend without a crisis. Uh, and if you get the next, you know, the league, I know Doug Peterson, I thought, handled this first press conference yesterday very well by talking about the fact that I think everybody feels safe in the environment they've created at the NovaCare complex. And I think they have. I know the Eagles well enough to know that they've got a situation down there where they have good security and, and, and they've created a real bubble environment in the complex. But the fact is, once, it goes, once the guys leave there, then they're out into that big, bad world where we know the virus exists. And you take the Eagles and multiply them by 32. That's the NFL. And I just don't know with that many players and with a pandemic that seems to have shown no signs of slowing down, if anything, it's accelerating. Um, I, the best I can give you is 50-50 that you're going to kick off this NFL season on time. Hall of Famer Ray Dittinger, WIP, NBC Sports Philadelphia. Ray, stay safe, stay well. Thank you for the time as always. I really appreciate it. My pleasure as always, David. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.